There is a spirit which I feel. Selected Writings of James Naylor. Chapter 6, Part 3. Concerning the Lord's Supper. This is the thing that the professors of religion are contending about in all the world, and indeed, it is a great mystery to those who have not yet seen the Lord. But since the mystery of iniquity began to work, the world's teachers and professors, having lost their dwelling in the body of Christ, have run out into imaginations, and are so far from the life of this supper that they have lost the form and the first institution of the shadow as it was performed by Christ. And truly, they are now so far from being made one in the blood of Christ through the Lord's Supper, so-called, that they are shedding one another's blood in their contentions about the form. Now, this was done by Christ as they sat at a meal and ate the Passover and drank the cup that he gave them. And so often as they did eat and drink thereof, they were to do it in remembrance of him, showing his death till he came. 1 Corinthians 11.26 And this mystery is what the apostles received of the Lord, and was so practiced in the purity of the church before they ran into confusion, by those who continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, daily breaking bread from house to house, and eating their food with gladness and singleness of heart. Acts 2.46 In the fear and favor of God. And this was to be done at all seasons, whenever they ate and drank, for in their eating and drinking they were to do it unto the Lord, and therein to have communion with his body and his blood, and to keep themselves pure from all pollution, not eating at the table of the heathen whose feasting is in their lusts. And so, to keep from indulging and feasting in lust, they were to eat in remembrance of Christ's death till he came, who, when he comes, takes the ordering and government of the creature upon his shoulders, and so ever keeps them out of lust and excess in all that they do. And so the creation is restored and reconciled to God at the coming or appearing of Jesus Christ. So the disciples were charged to wait for his coming at Jerusalem, and did show forth his death as often as they broke bread, till he came. And after he had come to the apostles, they continued in condescension for the sake of those who were weak in the faith, to whom Christ had not yet appeared, breaking bread from house to house, and eating with singleness of heart. For this reason Paul exhorted that both in their eating and drinking they should do all to the glory of God, and warned of the contrary. And Jude saw how some had crept in among the churches and turned the grace of God into lewdness, Jude one four, walking after their own heart's lusts, whereby they defiled the flesh and lived in sensuality. These, not having the Spirit to govern them, fed themselves without fear, and were spots in their love feasts, who being once enlightened and again giving way to lust and excess, became twice dead, plucked up by the roots, though they had great swelling words. Jude one twelve through 16 And of such there are many examples at this day, who have known something quickened in them to hope for the appearance of the Lord, but then fullness and excess have overtaken them, for lack of eating always in fear and in the remembrance of his coming. And so these become dead again, to any hope of his appearance at present, and so put his coming afar off into another world. Yet they continue contending about the shadows or figures of his coming, according as they have imagined. 
But to avoid this, the Lord Jesus commanded his disciples in a figure that in eating and drinking they should show forth his death till he came. And these gave example and warning to those who were convinced that in all fear and moderation they might wait for his appearances, telling them to let their moderation be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Philippians 4.5 But now those who live in the liberty of the flesh and in outward observations put this coming afar off, though they have a day every year to go into their building and eat bread and wine in self-made solemnity, or perhaps once a month or three times a year, some affirming the body and blood of Christ to be in the creature after the supper is consecrated, as they say, some saying no, but it is spiritual before consecration, others saying no, it is natural and not changed because of words, etc., so that one imagines the body of Christ to be real in it, and another says it is only real by faith, as they call it. But all agree in this, that after their eating and drinking, they return to their pleasures in the flesh and fashions of the world, there to eat and drink to their delight, and spend themselves on their lusts. So it is with all who do not discern his body in their eatings, who cling to their observations, and say he is always to come, or is past. But the carnal eye that sticks in visible things can never see him who is present to lead the creation out of lust. And so their eating is not the supper of the Lord, nor does he sup with them in the new kingdom. But in the old lustful spirit such become a table of the devil, where the creation is sacrificed to his use. So he keeps them in the observation of a day or a form which they think is worship, but he continues to bear rule in their whole lives by his spirit. And from here come all manner of lewdness and lightness, strife, fighting, lawsuits and violence, sports and vanities, too many here to mention, all of which the creation spends itself upon, and for which they shall give an account. Therefore, for the sake of those who are lost in this thing, and troubled in mind concerning it, what I have received I shall declare unto you. If you intend to sup with the Lord, or show forth the Lord's death till he come, let your eating and drinking of all things, as often as you do it, be in the remembrance of him and in his fear, that you may witness a death to all lust and excess, which, indeed, is that which has slain the Lamb from the foundation of the world, and is the great enemy of his appearance, and is that by which he is spiritually crucified in the great city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. Revelation 11.8 for all you that live in pleasure on the earth and are wanton, you that nourish your hearts as in the day of slaughter, you have condemned and murdered the just one, and he does not resist you. James 5.5 5. And so you must know a death to all this before you can sup with the Lord, or he with you. But if you eat in remembrance of him, and so come to die to that which slew him, then you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. And when he comes, he shall not find you eating and drinking with the drunken, nor beating your fellow servants. Matthew twenty four forty nine. And this is known from the Lord in the eternal light to be the true end of the supper of the Lord, that at his coming all may be found fit to receive him, which appearance they who feed without fear do deny and crucify afresh to themselves. And therefore in another place, speaking of his coming, he warns them to take heed, lest at any time their hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life, 
and so that day come upon them unaware, and so become a snare to them. Luke 21.34 For so it is to all who are in this state when he appears to them, and so they cannot receive the day of his visitation, for their hearts have gone out into carnal things. Concerning Redemption There are many who boast and glory in redemption, who know nothing more than words and imaginations. Indeed, few have come so far as to know what it is that needs redemption, and what the promise is too, and in what seed it is seen and received. Footnote by George Whitehead, the original editor of James Naylor's works. The seed is mentioned in a twofold sense, the seed which is Christ who redeems, and the seed of Abraham, i.e. believers, whom he redeems. The children of the promise are counted for the seed. Returning to text. For there is a seed in which the promise of redemption is made to the soul, but all who take delight in sin and in fleshly liberty are of a contrary seed. These see no need of redemption, but are at ease in their sin. They need no physician, for they say they are not sick, but all their talk of redemption little changes their true state. But if you find something in you that, in the midst of all worldly delights, cries vanity and emptiness, and can find no satisfaction therein, nor conform to this world, or take pleasure in wickedness, if there is something that dares not contend for sin, but cries woe to you because of your wickedness, and mourns because of the abominations of your times, and if you find something that breathes towards God for life and strength against all vanity and evil, and desires to follow Christ out of the world, I say, if such a seed you find in yourself, though it be the least of all seeds, yet this is the seed of the kingdom, to which the promise is made. And no further than this seed is raised up to reign in you, above all that is contrary, are you redeemed by Jesus Christ. For this is the plant of God's renown, the lily among the thorns, which is choked by the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and pleasures, that it may not bring forth fruit to God. But God has placed this seed in you for himself, that therein he might teach you to profit, and that from it you might receive wisdom and strength, yes, all that is needful for you in the measure to which you are called. And this seed, lying oppressed and veiled under your lusts and pleasures, is the reason you know not the Father or the Son, for to the spiritual birth he is revealed. And though you talk of redemption, yet you know not God, nor his power, life, or presence to guide you out of evil and to give you victory over the prince of this world, but are captivated at his will to do his works, and so are under the condemnation that he is in. And all your talk of redemption does not deliver you from his baits, but into temptation you continually fall, committing the sin that he leads you into, and so remain sons of the devil. But the seed that is of God lies under all of this, and suffers below in death and captivity, when the bonds of iniquity are over you. And for this reason you cannot receive his power, his promise, or his salvation, which are all placed in the seed. For while you remain in your delights, the seed is not of you or with you, but rather against you. Indeed, in this state you are not of the promised seed, but an enemy to it and are sinning against it by your lusts and pleasures and self-will. 
Thus you are in Pharaoh's nature and state, who keeps the seed of God in the house of bondage, and does not pity or regard its cries. For truly, it cries against your pride and excess, your envy and wrath, and all the wickedness by which you oppress the seed in that state where death reigns. And for this reason the wrath of God comes upon the world of iniquity, who are enmities to the seed of the covenant, not being joined to it, but are joined to a seed of a contrary nature. But all who are joined in the light to the seed of God partake of the love and life that are in Christ Jesus. And all who know this seed, quickened and raised in the heart by the Spirit of Jesus, know the plant of God's renown. Ezekiel 34.29 The plant of God's own planting, in which the fruit of the Spirit is found. Such as these know where to wait for the supply of all needs, and for counsel in all difficulties, where the law that is spiritual and the righteousness of faith are received. Yes, it is in this seed that men are redeemed, and the saints have fellowship and light with the Father and the Son, and find all the gifts and graces, whereby the creature becomes free from the law of sin, that they may be married to Christ. And having been set free from the service of sin and Satan, they are free to serve the living God. And this is their freedom, even the righteousness that is eternal, which is known as the soul is redeemed out of the pit of corruption. For where the seed has risen up, there the creature receives from God of his fullness, but where the seed is in the tomb, there the curse remains and sin and trespasses reign. Yes, when the seed has risen within and the immortal birth is born, then the creature is blessed of God for the seed's sake, and it is in this seed that God is truly worshipped. But wherever death still reigns, there the sacrifice of man is an abomination, for they that are dead cannot praise God. Therefore, this I say to all who find this holy thing moving in you against your lusts and worldly pleasures, take heed, and do not deceive yourselves with a talk of redemption, while this seed lies in prison and has not risen above all your lusts. But wait in the light of Christ, which lets you see this, so that you may witness his power to raise his seed above everything in you that is contrary. And so you shall reign with him over all the world and its wicked ways. But if you have found this breathing towards God in your soul, and yet pay it no regard, take heed lest he that gave it to you for salvation take it from you again, Matthew twenty five twenty eight, and leave you to your lusts without reproof, for his spirit will not always strive with you, Genesis 6, 3. And then it would be better had you never been born. Alas, this has been the lot of many, who, after receiving many reproofs and stirrings towards good, are now left to fill up their measure of sin with greediness, who now glory in their shame and boast in their filthiness. And, oh, his day is coming upon many more who now little mind the measure of God's grace moving in them, but live in their lusts, sinning against their conscience for selfish ends, and yet please themselves with a talk of redemption. For the common profession now, taken up by many, is to make the redemption of Christ a cover for immorality and fleshly liberty. But all who know the redemption of Christ by his precious blood are redeemed out from all vain conduct 
and into the holy conduct of him that has called them to be holy. For the redemption which is in Christ Jesus is to purge the conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hebrews 9.14 For this end he gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous for good works. Titus 2.14 And he has redeemed us to God by his blood out of kindreds, tongues, and out of every sinful nation to follow the Lamb and not to follow worldly lusts. So then, with the light of Christ, which lets you see your transgressions, search your hearts, that you may see if the righteous seed that moves you to righteousness is not oppressed and burdened by the seed of the evildoer, and by that nature which loves carnal delights. For if you are still led captive to do the works of Satan, what redemption do you have more than a talk? It is like a man that has an imagination of eating, but is still hungry. So you imagine freedom, but still serve sin. And while you remain servants of sin, you are free from righteousness, just as he that is a servant of righteousness is free from sin. And it is an easy thing to imagine righteousness and redemption. But he that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. 1 John 3, 7. And this is not known while the seed of God lies oppressed beneath your lusts and not regarded. Concerning Justification, Sanctification, and Mortification The wisdom of men in the fall, having found these three words in Scripture, has, in the imagination, divided and separated that which is one, and which cannot be divided in man's possession. For it is one spirit that works all of these, wherever he is present, according to the measure received. And this is the righteous one, who by faith lives in the creature, and the creature lives in him, and so becomes the justifier and sanctifier of all that believe, and the mortifier of that nature which is outside of the faith, so that one of these things cannot be found without the rest. For the power which sanctifies also mortifies, and the same justifies, and all who know what it is to possess these in life know these things. Now, there is a people whose desire for heaven is more than their desire for holiness. Unless they should spoil their carnal delights, they have conceived, in the imagination of their brains, a justification without sanctification or mortification, resting those scriptures which condemn the works of the law and by them seeking also to exclude the righteousness of faith. And because the scripture says God justifies or pardons the ungodly through faith, they therefore conclude themselves justified in their ungodliness by a belief which they call faith, though they are without the true faith in Christ. For that faith which does not lay hold of God's righteousness is not the faith of Christ, but rather a dead thing. For the true faith of Christ reveals a righteousness apart from the law from faith to faith, and also lives in it. So men are justified as they are sanctified and mortified, and no further. And where there is no righteousness, there is no true faith in Christ. But where God's righteousness is working in the creature, there a true belief is witnessed and faith is shown by works. But the faith without works is dead, being alone, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James 2.26.
and so is your justification dead without holiness and mortification of sin. And you will find in the end that that in you which justifies the wicked is the same that condemns the just, and both are an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 17.15 But this is your state, you who contend for sin and live in pleasure and carelessness on the earth. Yes, you crucify the just and holy one and save the unjust from death. Thus you prove you know not him who is just, who also justifies, mortifies, sanctifies, and redeems. And although the scripture mentions these three, this is not so that men will divide them and make people believe that they have one and not all, but rather to show the various effects of the one work of man's redemption, which are all wrought by one power in the creature. For it is the blood and spirit of Christ that washes away the filth, and so puts off the old man, and mortifies the deeds of the body, and so sanctifies and justifies. Yet none of these without man's obedience, being works of faith and not of self. For by the law of faith, all self-sanctification, self-mortification, and self-justification are excluded. These being the work of God, wrought by Christ in the believer, who must also join to it in faith and obedience. For God will work in all who believe in the light, that they may receive his Son, in whom is the promise and the power unto mortification, sanctification, and justification. But such who would share in his justification without obedience and fellowship in his sufferings are such as are justified in a dream, while sin still reigns and the unrighteous one lives and acts in them. Indeed, this is but self seeking to justify self, though man remains dead in trespasses and sins, and not just before God. But the saints suffered the loss of all things, counting them as dross and dung, that they might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. Philippians 3.10 Through death these came to the power and fellowship of his resurrection, whereby they were justified, being raised with him to newness of life. And by faith they received the gift of God's righteousness, and became servants thereto, and thereby free from sin. This is the true justification, where there is no condemnation, where the deeds of the flesh are mortified, and the creature walks no more after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the condemnation is to all who walk after the flesh. But he that walks in the Spirit is justified, for he no longer fulfills the lusts of the flesh. And in these, a mortification is witnessed to the nature which breaks the law. And the righteous one is known who fulfills the law in such as walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So, it is not the hearers of the law that are justified before God, but the doers of the law that shall be justified. Romans 2.13 Now, in the first or earthly man's state, the law is broken, and mortification and sanctification are denied. Here men would be justified from the guilt of sin, but not from the love and power of sin. Yes, they would have their carnal delights both in the world and in heaven also, but this vain hope will perish. But in the second man's state, the law is fulfilled through mortification, sanctification, and justification of the Spirit, and no man can be justified where the righteous one does not live. For that by which the just shall live is that by which the creature is justified.
concerning the law. All who know not the ministration of the Spirit are confounded concerning the law. For going to the Scriptures and finding there mentioned a ministration of the letter and a ministration of the Spirit, and they themselves being under neither of these, except in their imaginations, or in notions they have received, but not from the mouth of the Lord. Some say they are under the law and that it continues still. Others say only the part that is moral continues. Others say no, but it is all done away, and they are not under any ministration of law but under grace. And so by their pretended faith they make void the law, not knowing what they say herein. And truly this is all that they know, either of the law or the gospel, who read the letter in their carnal wisdom and imagine what is law and what is grace, not knowing the spirit by which these were ministered to the saints, who had the law written in their hearts and grace there also. Such do know that the one does not make void the other, but rather establishes the other. For the coming of Christ was not to nullify the law, but to fulfill it. Yes, he did not come to put the law far off, but to bring it near, that with his light all may see it as it is written in the heart by the living God. And so far is he from destroying or taking away the law, that he establishes it in its force and purity, saying, One jot or tittle should not pass away until it be fulfilled. Matthew 5.18 And whereas it was said in the letter, You shall not commit adultery, he says, You shall not lust. In the letter it was said, You shall not swear falsely. But in the spirit, he says, Swear not at all. In the letter, You shall not kill. But in the spirit, You shall not be angry. And whosoever does any of these things is guilty before God. Now, far from making void the law, the Spirit declares it in its purity, so that even those who might seem to be clear in the letter may be found guilty according to the law of the Spirit. Thus, by Christ Jesus, who is the end of that law, all may see their condemnation, and by faith in him come to be set free not by the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, and outward sacrifices, temples, altars, days, or sabbaths in the letter, but by all of these in the Spirit, which are in Christ Jesus ministered to the soul and conscience to wash away sin and to purge the conscience from dead works to serve the living God, Hebrews 9.14, which the ministration of the letter and carnal ordinances could not do. And this is the reason why the ministration of the letter was done away, because it could not make perfect the ones drawing near as pertaining to the conscience, Hebrews 9.9 9 and 10.1. So the ministration of the Spirit is preached in its stead, which gives perfect knowledge of sin and perfect redemption from it, and from all things from which the outward law could not deliver. For though the letter may show a man his condemnation, it cannot give life. Galatians 3.21. It can show the duty, but does not give power to perform it. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 2 Corinthians 3.6. So it is that many read their duty in the letter, but lack power to perform what they read, and so set up imaginations instead of performance. Some saying the law is done away, and now none are condemned by it, others saying Christ fulfilled it in his own person, and we need only to believe what he did 1,600 years ago. Others say, no, but we must do all that we can of what the Scripture commands, and he will do the rest. And still others, 
that whatever we do, he makes it accepted with the Father, for Christ performed all that is required. But none of these know God's command and spirit, which gives both life and power to perform all that is required. And this cannot be known by reading of what others did, while you still lack the spirit and power by which they acted. For when you take the law upon yourselves, without the spirit of life, a self-righteousness is begotten by the letter. In this sense, the law was weak through the flesh, Romans 8.3. But the power of the law is known by all who receive it in spirit and life. For the law is fulfilled in spirit and not in letter, in Christ and not in self, by faith and not by works, in the everlasting righteousness of God, freely given and received by faith, and revealed in the creature from faith to faith. The law in the letter gives a knowledge of sin, but the law in the spirit gives not only the knowledge of sin, but the knowledge of God and his righteousness in Christ Jesus for the fulfilling of the law, which is eternal life. According to his promise, I will write my law in your hearts and put it in your inward parts, and you shall all know me from the least to the greatest. Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-three, and 34. So then, all you who know only commands in the written letter, from there you may fetch your own condemnation, but from there you cannot fetch power for obedience and justification of life. For from within flows life in the Spirit, and not from without in the letter. And here is the change of the law, Hebrews 7.12, to that which is spiritual, to a spiritual priesthood, a spiritual temple, a spiritual altar, circumcision, offering, blood, oracle, anointing, washings, etc. Yes, all of their worship, which was outward and could make nothing perfect, has changed and become spiritual and inward, which brings in the better hope. Hebrews 7.19, being more pure and perfect than anything outward could be, even as he is perfect. Now the law was added because of transgression, till the promised seed should come, Galatians 3.19, of whom it is prophesied in types and figures. This seed is Christ, the end of the law to everyone that believes, without respect of persons. So that now God has written in the heart a law in spirit whereby the transgressor is condemned in his own conscience. Yes, this law is upon and against the first man, who is the transgressor, and has dominion over that man as long as he lives, Romans 7.1, both judging, reproving, and condemning, as well as prophesying of one who will come to fulfill the law in everyone who obeys the light. Thus the law is a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Galatians 3.24. But until he comes to fulfill it, who is the end of it, there is condemnation upon the creature, because the pure law of God has been broken. And all this is testified by the light in the conscience, as a witness against the old man and his deeds which are contrary to the perfect law of God. And so by that which is perfect, he is condemned who is imperfect, wherever the image of God is lost, and death reigns because of trespasses and sins. For God did not give a law to condemn his own work, but rather the work of the devil. And wherever the transgressor is, there is the work of the devil. All his works are condemned by the law, until the resurrection of the seed and the image of God is witnessed, 
when all things are subdued under him who is the end of the law, by whom the fruits of the Spirit are also brought forth, against which there is no law. Galatians 5.23 And so by the seed's resurrection and the virtue thereof, the requirement of God in the conscience is answered, and the creature is saved from the condemnation of the law of God. But condemnation remains upon all where the seed lies in the tomb, and death reigns in the creature. Therefore, the law that lays hold upon all transgressors, we witness to continue, and to be spiritual, just, and good, given forth against the first man and his works, whether good or bad, according as men call them. Yes, though a man set himself to do the works of the law ever so zealously, yet the pure law of God is a witness of condemnation against him in his conscience, until the promised seed has its birth and rise in him. And this is not of the will of the first man, nor after the flesh, but after the Spirit, which is one with the law, and according to the will and grace of God. Now, Israel according to the flesh received the law in the literal ministration of carnal ordinances, and from them Christ was to come, who was born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Galatians 4, 4-5 through If they did believe. Even so now, Israel according to the Spirit, who received the spiritual law that is written in the heart, shall witness the child born of the royal seed, even the heir of the promise, for the fulfilling of the pure law of God. And indeed, there are many witnesses at this day who have patiently waited in that which God has written in their hearts, which is seen with the light of Christ. These have received the faith of the gospel and the end of that faith, even God's righteousness revealed from faith to faith, whereby the pure law of God is fulfilled in many and is being fulfilled in others who abide in their measure of faith which God has dealt to them, walking in the light, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so, by the law of the Spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus, these see themselves set free from the law of sin and death, and so witness the power of the gospel. But this you will never do, you who cast the law of God behind your backs, and in your vain mind say that you are not under it. Truly, in the day of trial, you will be found to be under its condemnation. Concerning Christ Jesus This is he of whom the world talks much, but few there are that know him. By him all things were made, and he is the life of all creatures, and was before all creatures, without beginning of days or end of life, a priest forever, and a king whose dominion knows no end. By him kings reign, and dominions are cast down, though they know him not wherever self is standing. He is hidden from the world's wisdom, and the depth of man's prudence cannot find him out, but he reveals himself to such as walk in his light, which is contrary to all the dark paths of the world. Yes, those who deny themselves may learn the way of the Lord, for to these he freely reveals the way for their return, that he may bring them down from the seat of exaltation and make known to them the beginning from which they were dug. He is the eternal word who was glorified in the heavens with the Father before all time and then in time was made manifest. For the word became flesh and dwelt among us and took upon himself 
the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, that he might become a living example to all generations. And having finished the work and offered himself for man's redemption, for which purpose he was begotten, he ascended far above the heavens to prepare a place for all that follow him by faith in his light. And from there he appears as a savior to all who eagerly wait for him. And truly, only those who know him for their judge and lawgiver, and who love him and keep his commandments, can know him for their redeemer. To such he comes, and the Father also, to make their abode with him. John fourteen twenty three. And this is he who is the light of the world, and enlightens every man that comes into the world. John 1, 9 who stands at the door and knocks, and if any hear his voice and open, he will come in and sup with him. Revelation 3.20 Such as these know him, and he knows those who hear his voice, and these are quickened out of trespasses and sins, and the seed of God rises up over death in them. But where Christ is rejected, death still reigns, and the wisdom by which he is known is thought foolishness. So, if you desire to know him who is not of this world, but who was before the world was, and is a witness against all the world's ways and wickedness, then mind that light in you which shows you these things. For just as Christ is, so is his light that leads to him. Yes, that which bears testimony against the world is not of the world, even as he is not of the world, and so it leads out of the world unto him. But the world by its wisdom knows him not. And as any follow the light out of the world, you will come to discern that seed which is crucified by the world's wisdom and glory, to which seed are all the promises, and in which are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And as this seed is raised up within by the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, so you shall see him to whom all power and judgment is committed in heaven and earth, whose flesh is the life of men, and his light is as a law that goes forth, whereby man is led to his spiritual food, and the sons of men see the way out of darkness. And this is he who cannot be limited or restrained to one place, but fills heaven and earth with his presence, and appears at his pleasure to his own, and dwells in his saints, though the wise of the world know him not, and imagine his dwelling to be high above the stars, these know him not, and hating reproof, they have put his day afar off, that they may spend their days in folly, feed themselves with the wind, and fill their hearts with carnal delights. And even as the hearts of the children of light become established in grace, these go on disputing about the body of Christ, where the body of sin still keeps its rule in them, whereby they are darkened and heart-blind, past feeling the measure of God's grace, with hearts weighed down by dissipation and cares of the world, and minds corrupted with earthly things. To such as these I say, cease from your imaginations, for Christ only reveals himself in spirit to such as wait in the light and love what is pure. To these his appearance is like the sun, whose rising is not by the will of man. Indeed, all must wait for his appearing." if they desire to be saved and refreshed with the beams of his glory. And to all who are still in the night, I say this, he shall appear, if you look towards the place of his rising, 
which is not low here and low there, but within, in your hearts, and all who have come to the sure word of prophecy, as to a light that shines in a dark place, to which you do well to take heed, till the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, Second Peter one nineteen, you will indeed see this sun arise where the day star appears in your hearts, if you will but wait in the light that shines in the darkness. And you will feel his virtue and life, and receive of the same. Yes, you will see him as he is, and know him to be the Son of Righteousness, whose arising is with healing in his wings, Malachi 4.2, and whose breaking forth is upon all his enemies, which have reigned over the seed. And truly, his spiritual weapons are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of himself, and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Second Corinthians 10, verses 4-6 through six. And thus the saints know the Son of God with his light, power, and dominion over all things in heaven and in earth, for he rules in righteousness in the hearts of his people, trampling down Satan under their feet. And though hypocrites call him, Lord, Lord, still they serve and obey the devil, having the words of Christ, but not knowing his light, his power, his kingdom, and dominion. These have made the name of Christ a reproach among the nations, who call him a Redeemer, but still live in their sins. But none know Jesus further than they know a Savior from sin, and not a cover for sins. For the promise of the Father is, He shall save His people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one. Concerning the Ministry of Christ The true ministers of Christ are called out of the world and are contrary to the world, being contrary to their own wills and to the wills of all flesh. For such who preach the word are first begotten of the word, and so have been begotten contrary to the will of man. And this is evident in all the scriptures, and in the history of persecution in all ages to this day, that whenever the mystery of iniquity has spread over the land, and darkness has passed over the seed, and God's people had broken his covenant and lost his word, then God, in love to his people, sent out those who had his word in them to bear witness for the Lord against all their backsliding, their self-ways, and their formal worship. And to such as these, the world's ministers have always been enemies, and have sought to stir up the powers of men to devour them, calling them blasphemers and heretics, destroyers of worship, peace-breakers, and enemies to authority, though indeed they were sent of God to testify against false worship and to break the peace of the wicked one who keeps his house in peace till a stronger man comes. And you shall never find that any of God's ministers could join with the world's worship, but instead cried against their priests, their prophets, their days, their times, their places, which had gone out from the word and spirit into the world." And as the true ministers of Christ are called out of the world and the things thereof, so they are not concerned for the things of the world. For he who is their master is also their maintainer. Surely none of Christ's ministers ever preached for hire, nor prophesied for money, nor lived upon tithes. 
nor were they called masters, but rather servants and bond slaves of Christ, not commissioned by men, but sent of God, proving themselves to be ministers indeed in much patience in affliction, in necessities and distresses, and stripes, and imprisonments, and tumults, and labors, and watchings, and fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by unfeigned love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, in honor and in dishonor, in evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and yet living, chastened, sorrowful, poor, having nothing, wandering up and down, having no certain dwelling place. And these, having that word in them, in which is all fullness, need not study what to preach or steal words from another, like those who speak words in their own will and time, who talk against pride and yet live in it, who preach against sin but cannot cease from it. Yes, the ministers of the world, who are commissioned by men, confess Christ in words, but in works deny him. And because of their pride, pleasure, and carnal ends, they have changed the Lord's worship from what it once was, both in matter and manner, means and maintenance, and so have scattered the Lord's people into sects and opinions, forms, customs, and traditions in every nation according to as best suits their wills. To these, I say, your own ways testify to your face and before all men that you are no more like the ministers of Christ than those who walked in the same steps before you. So search the scriptures and search your hearts with the light of Christ, and count me not your enemy for telling you the truth. I have only cleared my conscience and love to your souls, though such as are deceived through blind zeal and envy cannot receive it.